Talk lines open now at 247-2000. Good Monday morning, my friends. Michelle here with the Greater Catch Can Chamber of Commerce. Business Matters Monday. I should say it's rainy Monday, but anyway, fresh back from the State Chamber Conference in Fairbanks, and that was a, a indeed a very, very good conference, very informative. And uh, as always on Mondays, up first we've got the governor's office on the line. However, it's not our friend Dave. Nope, not this week. He's MIA. It's Todd. Welcome, Todd. Hey, thank you, Michelle. Uh, yes, Dave, Dave is uh, getting some uh, well-deserved uh, time off. So you have, uh, uh, unfortunately, you have me. So I'll, I'm, I'm not quite as entertaining, but uh, hopefully I'll be just as informative. <laughs> At least you didn't say he's getting some well-deserved Botox. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Dave would never need such a thing. He's, he's yeah. aging handsomely. So. so you guys have had your hands full. Uh, you know, we missed the governor at the at the state chamber conference but of course have your have your hands full with the uh recent kind of disaster in western alaska how how's that going why don't you give folks an update on that you know i i think that um one of the things that attracted me to alaska in 30 some years ago was just the rugged nature of alaska and we know that we are going to have uh natural disasters right we have just about about everything up here but the, the good news is is that we are are really good at dealing with them and um, the uh, emergency management services uh, for the state w- was watching the storm uh, a few days uh, you know while it was while it was out um, in, in the bearing and making its way toward the coast they had uh, you know some radio announcements about it they had community, uh, meetings uh, to help people prepare, um, people on the radio talking about preparedness. So, um, so fortunately, because of that pre kind of pre planning, um, th- there was no uh, loss of life uh, that's been reported yet. Um, some damage, but um, and then uh, the state. I don't know if people understand kind of how disaster declarations work, but. Um, you know, you, ha- you have to have a, you actually have to have the disaster before you can declare uh, the declaration, um, and then that kicks in uh, money that is appropriated by the legislature for emergency assistance. And, um, you know, that's when uh, uh, people get mobilized, uh, you know, check on fresh water, food, things like that. So our state uh, agencies really did a fantastic job, as well as the local, you know, communities just looking out for each other. But we also uh, were able to get the uh, FEMA, uh, the, the federal declaration, um, you know, taken care of very quickly. Um, so that kind of kicks in FEMA money as well, and and so you know it's it's not it's never great um, when you're recovering from a disaster, but but things are going well. 
Well, and, you know, one thing that Dave and I talked about last week was, you know, the, the disaster that the folks in western Alaska have experienced is a far cry from, you know, what we all need to say some prayers for our friends down in Florida uh, on the Gulf Coast uh, because they're going to get a wallop this week, too. But what we were talking about is, you know, a disaster is a disaster. You never want to see it happen. Unfortunately, it does. But power goes out uh there's damage but if you're in florida you most likely can walk out of your house and not be in freezing cold weather uh and you know it's just a whole different beast right there's more leeway when it comes to rebuilding infrastructure and homes and and damaged stuff like that because it's not freezing cold and it's not remote the lows and the home depot are right down the street and up in western Alaska, it's an entirely different beast because winter's like what two weeks away, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, it really is, and it's already not. You know, it's already cold out there. Um, so, uh, so you know, mobilizing uh, resources quickly—that's happening, um, and and the federal uh, declaration helps. Um, you know, we we do have the state resources budgeted uh, to help people out but um, so there's a lot a lot of activity as well as the governor deploying some uh, some of the uh, National Guard members and, and uh, state security um, members force so um, it's uh, it's progressing um, and I know that if people want to help the best way to to do that is probably to go through the Red Cross, um, redcross.org. There's a, there is a uh, um, way that you can directly donate to local uh, disasters. Right. The so, Red folks, Cross. it's not going to go to the big Red Cross in the sky. None of your money is going to go help Florida people. As much as we care about them, you know, everyone that has a disaster, we, we feel for them. But this will stay locally right here in western Alaska. So... For sure. Hey, I wanted to ask you, um, something kind of piqued my curiosity, actually, uh, a couple of people sitting at my table up at the state chamber. And I wanted to ask you about this because the governor uh, recently, well, not so recently now, uh, put together, I believe it is it called the People's First uh, Task Force? Is Did, did I... Yeah, the, the People First Initiative. Okay. It's, um, yeah, it's a series of of task forces to address some of these plague plaguing issues that we have in our state with, uh, you know, homelessness, uh, domestic violence, sexual assault, things like that. Well, I wanted to ask you because I only just because I cannot remember, but it came up literally multiple, multiple times. In fact, they added an entire uh, additional session that wasn't on the original agenda about the topic of child care and uh, child care. Now, you know, uh, the Chamber of Commerce here in Ketchikan takes no uh, stance on political candidates whatsoever. But the one thing I noticed was that uh, candidate for Governor Lasguerra, he kept saying, uh, you know, referring to these these 20,000 people that have that are leaving Alaska year in and year out. And, you know, he attributed those to various things. Uh, first, it was because they're not getting good education. Second, it was because they're not having a university uh, that they that is sustainable for them or their needs. And then and then he said child care. And I thought, well, that's interesting because the same 20,000 people are leaving for a new reason each time. But anyway, with that being said, child care was a huge, huge issue. And it is pervasive in terms of, and this does apply to the chamber folks, in the ability for businesses to hire and 
have a stable workforce, right? Um, many, many uh, families have had to transition to a, a single uh, breadwinner because of the lack of child care. Is the governor doing, or that task force, doing anything to address this, what is now a critical need all over the state? Um, I, I don't believe child care is part of that um, or any of those uh, working groups. Uh, OCS foster care is one of them. Um, I know that uh, in my work with the local chambers here, um, that has also been uh, something that um, they have mentioned is difficult. Uh, you know, it's a, it's an added difficulty. The uh, We know what, that during uh, COVID, um, there were there were a lot of uh, issues with with child care uh, availability, um, but that is I don't believe that's something directly that uh, we're looking at. No, I'm putting a plug in. You should uh, because the issues, as I understand it, are not only uh, the the permitting, if you will, uh, in terms of limiting the number of children in a particular facility. And, and I'm not advocating for, hey, let's have 150 kids and two employees. Not, No, 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 not like that. But it seems a little onerous in terms of having that be so low, uh, which then drives up the cost for the parents uh, because the, the center has to make a, a profit of some sort uh, to a small degree in this case. And then also uh, the the ability of the centers uh, who are watching children to have a living wage uh, for workers. It's just not an attractive place to work uh, because, and therefore it's kind of a, a revolving door in many cases. Uh, you know, we do have a, a, a member here who is a child care center, ABC Kids, um, and it's been a struggle. And so I, I was curious if you know, I understand that there were some grants um, that were available, but I would definitely put that on the governor's radar for sure because it's becoming an increasing issue all over, particularly in, in Southeast. But, you know, that's because that's where I live. But if you're hearing it from your chamber people up there in the Valley, yeah, I heard it. I heard it all over at state conference. Yeah, it was uh, from what I've heard is, is mostly um, uh, employees who are who run uh, child care operations having a difficult time to find employees, but also from some business, you know, from some business people as well. Um, I know that there is some budgeted money for early education centers, um, which um, aren't, you know, the lower aged um, children, uh, but preschool uh, and, and things like that. But we're, we're constantly looking at ways that we can reduce regulation and, and uh, increase licensure um, of course, when you're when you're dealing with uh, with children, and that <laughs> sometimes those certifications, and rightly so, are you know a little bit more stringent, uh, you know, as well as background checks and things like that. So that's um, you know that makes it a little bit more complicated. Oh, of course, and I mean, yeah, no parent in their right mind is is going to take their kid to a, a child care center that isn't properly licensed. Um, it, you know, that's just a wild card. I mean, that's the most precious commodity in a parent's mind. But anyway, that should be on the radar. And um, it was quite interesting. It was quite interesting to see some of, some of the issues that, that came up. So, hey, we're, we're turning into the fall, uh, obviously an election cycle. Uh, don't want to necessarily talk about election stuff, but what is typically brewing in the governor's office this time of year? 
Well, it's been uh, a pretty great summer, actually, for the governor's office. There, there was a lot of um, good legislation passed um, that the governor has been uh, signing. Um, you know, meeting with legislators um, and having them be a part of that. It was um, there. There was a lot of. I know it, it, we get used to maybe not much happening uh, through the legislative process, and in Juneau, and we get frustrated by it. But uh, this last session was um, was actually uh, really productive, and um, of course the PFD came out last week, and and um, that was uh, I think a thankful for le- relief for people um, because um, what what I've heard nationally is that with this inflation that the average household is dealing with about eight thousand dollars more in cost this year. So um, so that I'm sure was uh, a welcome uh, a bank deposit for people. Um, it's it's budget time, uh, starting to get budget time in the in the governor's office. Um, we have to to look at the budget, look at potential revenues, and uh, also put together legislative priorities. Um, and the governor is uh, looking at legislation that's passed, legislation that he uh, still wants to uh, to get passed. So uh, so a lot of budget and uh, and looking at legislation. All right, so one of the other things, speaking of uh, legislative priorities, one of the other things that was repeated over and over and over again, and, and this is kind of on the fringes of that topic, um, but housing, right? It, it's just, it, it's a problem everywhere, right? And this goes back to the employment issues that, that many employers are having. But one thing that I have noted, you know, especially with the um, uh, the most recent passage of legislation coming out of D.C. in regards to, you know, cre- tax credits for people who are installing heat pumps and, and various other items like that in their house, I noticed that the... Um, the weatherization program that Alaska Housing Finance used to offer has sunsetted and is no longer. And it's a it was a pretty valuable program, you know, for a person who owned a house who could prepay. In other words, you invest the money in, in weather, weatherizing certain items in your in your household to make it more efficient, um, then you would get reimbursed. Uh, I'd love to see that come back. And I think especially with oil prices being that what they are a number of other people might like to see that as well well one of the uh pieces of legislation that passed this year and i was uh, i don't have it in front of me so i can't remember exactly the 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 title of it but what it allows people to do is it um allows people to actually improve um their uh energy efficiency and they can um essentially receive um, um, money back uh, through, I think, I believe it's a federal program. Um, and so they, they get that through, um, essentially it's attached to their mortgage. Um, and, and so it, it gets paid off over time. I will, uh, I'll actually look for that and send that to you because I think you'll be interested in, in learning more about that. So I think that that, some of those options are still available. They just might be in a different kind of a di- different vehicle. The other thing that, that more and more people are doing, of course, is, is adding, uh, some kind of renewable, um, energy production of their own. Um, I know that's that's happening in South Central Alaska a lot with solar. 
uh, where, yeah. That would not work. Yeah, I know it doesn't, it doesn't help Ketchikan much. I, I, I get that, but um, but I'm just saying that there. But there might be other uh, alternatives too. Um, uh, you know, uh, renewable alternatives for in different locations. But um, I'll I'll look up that information on you, uh, for you and send that to you so you can share it with your listeners after you know at another time because it's it's actually really uh, very uh, ingenious how how it's uh, done and it's uh, it's a way to increase your energy efficiency um, at a essentially it's a um, it, it allows you to get paid back uh, mm-hmm. yep, through yep. the process so, absolutely and yeah. you know here's the thing I'll, I'll just throw a warning out there for listeners uh, you need to if you're thinking of doing say like you're going to transition from um, uh, a regular furnace on over to say a heat pump you need to check with your accountant first uh, because it's a it's hard to decipher anything in my personal opinion that comes out of federal legislation um, <laughs> but um, it was kind of confusing when I was doing my research uh, because uh, and, and again this just passed right so if you were to put a heat pump in right now like today you may not be eligible for that tax credit you just talk with your accountant because I know that at least here in Ketchikan, there's been kind of a, a big surge in people wanting to convert over to heat pumps. And if I read my stuff correctly, again, I'm not your accountant. Don't take this as the gospel. But I don't think that tax credit comes eligible until 2023. So in other words, this year, if you do something in 2022, you're eligible for, you know, A, B, and C, and then it expands to A, B, C, D, E, and F in 2023. Anyway, check with your accountant before you do that. Uh, But, you know, you can also make your own educated decision as a homeowner and, you know, look at your oil bill versus what you might be paying with the heat pump and go, you know what, I don't even care about the tax credit. I'm just going to go ahead and put the heat pump in. So yeah, sometimes when you crunch the numbers over the long, you know, a long period of time, you're you're better off regardless of whether or not you're getting a subsidy or a credit. So. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. And uh, all righty. Well, very cool. Hey, Todd, thank you for stepping in for Dave. And, uh, you know, call back anytime. We'd love to have you. Yeah, well, you, you bet. Uh, thanks a lot. And I will uh, I'll look for that and and uh, and send it uh, send it to you um, when when I find it. OK, awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your week. All right. Bye bye. All righty, there you have it. And that was interesting. I like it when Dave kind of throws different people at me. You know, he's had some DOT people come and call in. And I really appreciate that the governor's office takes the time uh, to spend 20 minutes with us each Monday. Uh, Good stuff. Number of things happened at the state chamber conference last week. And uh, you'll be hearing about those in our weekly newsletter, which comes out every Monday. If you are not getting it, for one reason or another, you can sign up for it, or you can hop on over on our Facebook page and click the link. And we have another caller right now. Good morning. You are on First City Forum. Hi, this is Jim Powell calling in about the tourism strategy. Well, hey, Jim, how are you? You guys uh, have been working hard behind the scenes. Uh, Jim is with the group that is uh, working on uh, putting together the tourism strategy plan uh, for the borough. And uh, okay, let's, let's first kind of outline real quickly for the listeners who may not have been involved or maybe I just weren't aware that this was happening. When we say uh, strategy plan, does it mean like, 
this is absolutely what we're going to do 100%, 100% and we can't deviate? Oh, absolutely not. I think it's a, a, a strategy as opposed, it's a plan in the sense it's for the future, but it's a strategy in the sense that let's do something about it. Right. It's like and a roadmap. You got it. In fact, we even call it a, a stewardship roadmap. The, the, the final uh, kind of term for the document will be a, a final stewardship roadmap for uh, tourism. Yep. And, you know, the interesting thing is, now, just rolling it back a little bit, uh, this whole thing started earlier this spring, uh, and you guys were kind of on a... a uh, uh, under the radar listening tour, if you will. So the the company that's doing this, and you are part of that group, very amazing company. They've worked with places like Ketchikan all over the world. So you did this kind of listening, where you where you kind of scrape social media and various websites like um, you know Yelp, et cetera, et cetera. You know what did what did tourists think years ago? What are they saying now? Uh, where could there be room for improvement? And then many folks around Ketchikan, you'll remember, listeners that the postcards went out asking you to fill out the uh, tourism sentiment survey. And the, wow, there are lots of people, lots of people responded. And so the next step was some uh, meetings here in Ketchikan. And you guys, Jim, you're going to be back next week, correct? That's right. Yeah, we're coming back to uh, uh, do more workshops. And also we have another public meeting on October 6th, Thursday, October 6th, and we'd really love to have a lot of people turn out for that. And what time is that meeting again? Not sure. I think it's at 7 o'clock. We'll get some information on that, and actually the location, Phil, also. Yeah, and I'm probably going to be up at the Ted Ferry. Uh, Don't quote me on that. Uh, Listen for the information. Uh, You can always, anything that I find of importance like this goes on the uh, Chamber's Facebook page. So you can absolutely get that. And I'll try and have that out in our Monday newsletter. But what you're looking for, based on the many conversations that I've had, is we're looking for even more community engagement. Uh, Okay, so people, if you're listening... uh, and, and you know who you are. Uh, you, you sit around and you grumble and moan or you have, a, you have a cool idea and you don't take the opportunity to weigh in to these various meetings or even just direct comment via email to the borough uh, or do the survey. And then you're kind of left out in the cold later, like going, hey, no one listens to me. Well, that's not true. So what's the plan for the meeting next week? What What's the goal for that public meeting? The goal, is, the first goal is to get people in the room. And, and thank you so much for doing this. Um, I really, really appreciate it. And I just got a text from the head of the the, uh, the project, and it's at 6 p.m. And let me see if I can get that text up here. I'm just trying to get that word out on where and when it is. So it's Thursday, next Thursday. And it is at the Texas Assembly Chambers, 6 p.m. Oh, so Borough Assembly Chambers, people, not the Ted Ferry. Borough Assembly Chambers, 6 p.m. next Thursday. And what's going to be happening during that meeting? Well, we're going to we're going to do a presentation of what we learned so far. You know, what what have, what have we gathered, and and what what are the interesting things we've learned, and what are what are areas of concern, and how can we improve the situation as far as tourism in general. Uh, there's a lot happening. I mean, I'm from Juneau. I'm a long-term resident of Juneau, and, and uh, so I'm familiar with tourism, like you guys. 
And and so we're going to present some of that, but we'd like to hear from, get some feedback from the community on what we've found and new ideas. I mean, it, you know, it, uh, we have an open architecture as far as learning, you know, on the ground what people are thinking. Where are those uh, pressure points and how can we, uh, how can we uh, situate ourselves better in the future so we're getting as much as we can from the tourist industry for our food? for the community of Ketchikan. So if you're just tuning in right now, it's Business Matters Monday. I'm Michelle O'Brien with the Greater Ketchikan Chamber of Commerce. And we are on the line with Jim Powell. He is part of the Tourism Strategy Consultant Group. Uh, and let me just say, consultant does, in this case does not uh, equal just one big report going on a bookshelf somewhere. So I pulled up a slide. And um, so topics of importance uh, include uh, diversify and create a year Around economy focused on tourism. Uh, with that, by the way, that doesn't preclude other economic drivers. Establishing a comprehen- comprehensive visitor management system, addressing workforce shortages, celebrating culture and heritage, addressing strain on year-round and seasonal workforce housing, developing and maintaining infrastructure, i.e., roads and public facilities, and establishing a coordinated system for tourism oversight, monitoring, interpreting impacts, and issuing regular reports to the public, framed within global standards. And then there's some other uh, there's some other things on here, but basically, folks, it's creating local ownership of one of our largest industries here in Ketchikan. How is it affecting your life? Uh, How would you like it to affect your life? Clearly, from COVID, we all know, folks, how much of an economic impact tourism has on Ketchikan. Right, Jim? You're in Juneau. You guys felt it, too. Absolutely, absolutely. We figure that it's more than, oh, it's probably up towards 30% of our economy now. You know, government, we're a big government town here, which is over 60%, but tourism is becoming a, is a uh, big player economically. But it also, you know, it, it, it's our whole community, who we are. And and we've got to, I hope that the Texas public step forward and go, this is who we are, this is what we want, this is what we want to get out of that, that industry. Right, exactly. So, and, yeah. and literally, folks, this can run the gamut from uh, I don't like the traffic flow or I wish we had uh, port security guards for longer or more of them or in more places or it could be I really like the rise of this type of new tour in Ketchikan or maybe uh, it could be along the lines of hey I really like the fact that we now have more tour tourism options meaning the existence of Ward Cove and downtown and probably soon to be Saxman Um, it's literally anything under the sun what do you want Ketchikan to look and feel like in the many years to come because i assure you tourism isn't going anywhere and we've had you know we've had a lot of success here in Juno on not regulating the industry they they get regulated in a lot of different ways air pollution water pollution other things but ketchikan is now um looking into the tourism best management program which is basically getting into the details like if you're in a a van or a, a, a charter van don't take left don't take a left on this rope. Don't take a right. You know, those things really help to blend the, the um, industry into the community. Um, so I think that, that those are the things. And you just brought up some possibilities. You know, maybe we need more crossing guards or something. But those are the little things all put together that mean a lot. 
Well, and there's and there's hundreds of them. Uh, when you're dealing with over a million people per year, uh, and not to not to say only cruise ship passengers, but independent travelers, I'm a firm believer. Don't have the facts. That's a Patty Macchio over at KVB question. Uh, but I'm a firm believer that in 2021, uh, some people sat up at their home in Iowa or wherever they were and said, well, darn it, if I can't go on my cruise ship to Alaska this year, I'm just going to fly on up there and go anyway. And so you kind of have another little can of worms that's been opened where all of a sudden it's incredibly popular with the independent travelers. I can tell you right now that of the chamber members who own lodges that I spoke with, Jim, they were almost 100% booked in February. Yeah, we had. I know that last year, even um, you know, we had tourists around our downtown in Juneau, and uh, some people said, "Geez, we, you know, we definitely don't have the boats in, but we've got tourists." So that's a big, that's a big part of it. We're not just talking about the cruisers; we're talking about uh, tourism in general. And uh, yeah, big part, and we know that there's an impact from a large impact from most dependent travelers. Well, and here's here's something, Jim, uh, that I've heard thrown out there just randomly and sporadically uh someone uh well some people actually mentioned on several different occasions the idea that wouldn't it be nice if there were a trail uh like say like a rainbird trail not saying that's what they mentioned folks who are listening but say like a rainbird trail that only locals are allowed to use during the season um or something along those lines so really no idea is too far flung out there is it Absolutely. In fact, that's what that's what happens. Is is uh, in Juneau we have uh, commercial trails that where some of those passenger fees go to to fix up those trails, and then uh, we have places where you know we just ask the tourists don't go there. That's a that's a special place for the locals. You can do that, and it can be done in a non-regulatory and agreement way. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that's a, I think that's a Exactly, but that kind of stuff comes from the public. That information is the local stuff that you're on the ground, you're 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 living next to it. That that knowledge, those those ideas have to be have to come from the you know the general public. You know, and, and no ideas. You know, let's put it on the table. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, folks that are listening, we are on the phone with. Uh, Jim Powell, he is part of the Tourism Strategy Consulting Group that is working with the borough to formulate a long-range plan or roadmap, if you will, uh, of how Ketchikan will look. How do you want it to feel and look like years down the road with the inevitable growth of tourism? And, uh, you know, it's been kind of interesting, and I'm, I'm going to talk as Michelle O'Brien here, not as the Chamber of Commerce. This has never been discussed at the Chamber of Commerce on any official or casual level whatsoever. But I was telling Julie, your counterpart, in a, in a phone call last week, I said, what's been kind of interesting this year, and I'm chalking this up, uh, just, it was just a personal observation uh, on Facebook, which seems to be the social media of choice here, but um, uh, it, it seems like people are a little more frustrated this year. And I attribute that personally to the fact that, well, we just didn't really have many people, if any, the last two years. So maybe it's like shock, like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden. Um, and so 
hearing a little more rumbling of frustration around town. Well, if that's the case and you're one of those people, um, and this was more people who were saying this, uh, not just the usual suspects, you know, the handful of usual suspects who no matter what you do, they're going to hate tourism. Um, But if you're one of those people who are frustrated or you're kind of like, wow, you know, tourism is going to get even bigger than this. Well, then you need to be at the meeting, the public meeting being held next Thursday, 6 p.m. in Borough Assembly Chambers. It's an open meeting. Uh, everyone is invited. And this is your chance to put input. So, Jim, tell me, after the public meeting, then what happens? Well, we, we, we go home, we do our homework, and uh, we really analyze what we've, we've heard then we come up with this final report, um, and it's not just not just a report. It's really a, I, I want to call it's called a strategy and a roadmap. What are the actions? What you know? What can government do? What can you know? NGOs, you know, non-governmental organizations, the chamber, and others do to further this? You know, a strategy and roadmap to get to where you guys want to go in Tetecan. So it's analysis to that, uh, putting together all that you've heard. Uh, from these planning workshops during October, um, and then and then we come out with a report. And the our time frame there is from October until March. Uh, we want to do a good job. I think we've done a very good job as far as um, inventorying the, the situation now. But now we got to move to the future. We've got to start talking and suggesting vision. You know, what is the vision for the future? Yeah, what is that vision? Uh, so. The- so then you're gonna you're gonna present that that kind of report or that roadmap or strategy to the borough assembly. Then after that, what happens? That's uh, yes, and that, and that's what we. Another thing is, I like the word toolkit, a packet, and a, and a toolkit of how you would actually implement some of these things. Suggestions of uh, they come not just from Ketchikan but from other sites around the world actually, and what they've done. So you can get some ideas from them. Every place is different, you know. You know, different from Kazakhstan, you know. Uh, even though we're both coastal, and uh, you know, but we're, we're different folks. But you know, you can learn from each other and adapt. And we're going to bring those to the table and suggest some recommendations. That sounds good. I mean, I, I just think I think that's fantastic. Now, if people want to uh, ask any questions. Let's say here locally before this happens next week. Uh, he's probably going to kill me for saying this, but uh, you need to reach out to Richard Harney over at the borough offices. <laughs> he's been kind of yeah. spearheading this this effort here. Uh, but reach out to Richard Harney if you have any questions, or maybe you just can't make the meeting, but you still want to have some input. Um, I would definitely do that. If you want to reach out to me at the chamber, info at catchcanchamber.com. I'll be happy to forward on those comments. And uh, but and. Uh, but definitely, if you can make it next next Thursday, not this Thursday, next Thursday, you need to be there at 6 p.m., Borough Assembly Chambers, and uh, be part of the conversation, folks. Uh, don't just sit behind your keyboard complaining. Be part of the solution. Michelle, thanks so much for uh, allowing us to be on your show, and thanks so much for your support. And and, and I have to say, coming from, you know, and, and getting to spend more time in Canada was it was a delight to see your community. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, thanks. I appreciate your time, too. Have a great rest of your week. All right. Take, take care. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. All righty. There you go. Busy day on 
Business Matters Monday. Hey, coming up this Wednesday, uh, we've got the City Council Candidate Forum happening. That's at 12 noon at the Cape Fox Lodge. You can also listen to it live right here on KTKN and uh, KPU-TV. Our friends from KPU-TV, they also stream it live and save that recording. Uh, It's very interesting, and we want to thank, the Chamber wants to thank all of the candidates who for their willingness to put their hat in the ring. You know, it, it, it's daunting. It, it, you know, can be challenging. It can be scary for some people. If you've got a question that you would like to ask the city council candidates, shoot me an email prior to tomorrow at info at catchcanchamber.com. Do that. All of the questions that are posed to the candidates are submitted from community members, uh, just like you, and we will be happily arranging those. Brittany Rickard from here at the Ketchikan Radio Center is going to be our moderator for the day, and so that should be another great forum. If you missed last week's Borough Assembly and Mayoral Forum, you can still catch it on our Facebook page at Ketchikan Chamber, and go. On. that's just a chock-full place of everything that's happening. Speaking of other things that are happening, do you ever want to be on the Ketchikan Chamber Board of Directors? Here's a chance. You can either get a one-year appointed position or you can run for a three-year seat. Just send me an email. Again, info at ketchikanchamber.com. The applications are available for the board. If you'd like to be part of the elected office portion of it, you can... Um, Find those at catchcanchamber.com. You must, must be a chamber member in order to run for a seat on the board or be appointed. And, uh, hey, guess what else you can find at catchcanchamber.com? Yep, community awards time. It is that time. And we're looking for your input on who should, who should be business of the year, who should be citizen of the year, who's the best entrepreneur in town, who's the best emerging leader, who gives Ketchikan exemplary community service? Those, op- those nomination forms are also available at KetchikanChamber.com. So that'll do it. Don't forget this Wednesday, 12 noon at the Cape Fox Lodge. Have a great rest of your week.